We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me right now, no Jack Manuel. We got special guest Robert Flom of 213 Hoops, Clipper specialist. Robert, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, obviously we had the draft last night, free agency approaching, a ton of trade rumors, just things keep on coming. And I definitely didn't expect you to get to get you on the buzz to talk about the Clippers and the Nets making a trade, but that happened last night. We saw Landry Shamit come to the Nets, number 19, go to Detroit, and the Clippers picked up Luke Kennard. Obviously, we're not going to touch on the Detroit or the Clippers stuff. We're going to talk Nets. But before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But Robert... Tell me about Landry Shamit and what his role was like last year for the Clippers. Landry Shamit maybe I think was hurt more than any other Clipper last year by the arrival of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, he started uh, coming down the stretch of the 2019 season after he was traded from Philadelphia uh, in the Tobias Harris deal and really instantly won Clippers fans heart his very first game. Uh, he hit four crucial second half threes to, to you know get a huge comeback against the Boston Celtics on the road. It was pretty impressive. It was it was wild to see um, just a rookie come in and, and nail those kinds of three you know fourth quarter shots. Um, and he continued that really down the stretch of the season into the playoffs. He hit one of the biggest shots in Clippers history yeah. really um, in 2019. You know 
to, to cap off their, you know, 30-point comeback against the Warriors in Game 2 of their first-round series. The Clippers obviously didn't win the series, but still it was a monumental achievement. It really showcased a lot of what made that team such a, a special team for Clippers fans. And Shamit was a huge part of that. His shooting was incredible. Um, his playoff ball, you know, alongside the guards of Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, and Shade Gilgis-Alexander was really special. And then coming into last season, you know, he was displaced in the starting lineup by the arrival of, of George and Kawhi Leonard. He was forced into a bench roll. He had injuries to start the season. He never really seemed to get going. Uh, his pure numbers are were, were fine. They're a little bit down um, across the board from his numbers the year before. Uh, so it was really more of a stagnation. But Clippers fans were disappointed because he was a guy coming off that incredible rookie season that they thought you know would take a step forward and would be a guy who could play off ball next to George and, and Kawhi Leonard running off screens and causing havoc. And that really didn't happen. Um, you know, he was good. He was fine. But he didn't play a ton in the playoffs and, and was mostly ineffective when he did play outside of a couple moments in the Mavs series. So it was a bit of a lost season for him. You know, and I, I think he seems to be really happy about the trade. Um, I know a lot of Clippers fans are upset. They were sad to see him go. But um, I think it's a good trade for him and a good trade for Brooklyn. Yeah, it was interesting. Just from the outside looking in, obviously not covering the Clippers. But you think, hey, they add Paul George. They add, Ka- add Kawhi Leonard they're going to have more open threes for the role players. And a guy like Shamit, you know, obviously great three-point shooter already, you know, in this two seasons, the NBA career, 40%. It was kind of surprising he didn't necessarily pop off. What do you think the reasons for that were? You know, was it the injuries? Was it, you know, Doc Rivers maybe not using him right? What did you think about that front? Definitely both of those things. Uh, Doc Rivers, not his greatest coaching performance last year. It's a a big reason why he was – Fired, I mutually let go, whatever you want to call it. We know what that's um, like in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that was part of it. It was very weird that they didn't run more stuff for Shaman all year long. Like, he just wasn't utilized a ton. He mostly just stood in corners. Uh, the other thing is that the Clippers wanted him to handle the ball more. Like, there was a sense that they wanted to get him to make plays and, and be more of a point guard and, and combo guard rather than a pure off-ball guy, which I think he could end up being, but I don't think he just has that skill set right now. And I think especially asking him to do that after those injuries threw him off of training camp and the start of the season was, was a particularly tough ask. So, you know, for younger players in particular, injuries can be tough. Like, they're guys who need more time in training camp, who need, you know, more time to develop and hone their skill sets, especially due to the massive changes on the roster. Yep. The Clippers as a whole just did not come together last year. Um, really, there were only very brief stretches of play where they looked like a true championship contender. In the end, they didn't have it, you know, as as the world made fun of in their loss to the Nuggets in the second round series. Um, you know, they just never coalesced like that. And Shamit was, was one of those guys who just never really seemed to fit in. I don't really blame him for it. I don't think any Clippers fans did, but I think was kind of misplaced role in terms of trying to play him on ball more. I think pushing him to a bench lineup that kind of struggled all year after being spectacular the year before, um, and just him not fitting in great with the Clippers' stars, I, it was just a combination of all those. But I wouldn't be too discouraged. It certainly was not a great season from him, but he's still young. He still has a lot of talent, and uh, I, I think he'll, he'll improve a lot um, in the coming seasons. The fact he's already in the playoffs twice and switched teams, it makes it feel like he's been in the NBA longer than two seasons. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I thought he was like a third or fourth year player, just like thinking about it quick. And then you look at it, you know, still very young, too. And it will be interesting to see how he kind of fits in Brooklyn. I do have a couple questions. What's his defense like? You know, obviously watching him, he's been, I would say, a competent defender, not anybody who's like locked down. But I'm sure you can give me a little bit more details. Shannon is wildly inconsistent. Okay. That's um, great with the rest of our guards. <laughs> yeah, like there are, there have been games where he's looked legitimately good. 
Um, I think actually in the series against the Warriors, he was playing this top lock type defense mm. where he was forcing uh, Steph outside the three-point line. He was kind of shading him inside, and he did really well with that. He was hustling back into plays and contesting shots and using his size and, and height advantage. Um, you know, to really make a difference there. He has the height. I mean, he's not huge. He's not super long, but he's not, you know, small. He's not, you know, a, a tiny guy who can just get bullied and, and you know, guys can shoot over easily. Um, you know, he's a guy who has the, the physical tools to probably be an okay defender. The issue is really just he gets lost off ball mm. a lot, um, and he just does not have that strength yet. So even though he has the height, um, guys, if they get him in the post, can kind of push him around. Uh, we saw that a lot in the playoffs, and he just doesn't have the right instincts. So there are flashes, certainly. Um, I think the effort is mostly there. I think, again, he does have the tools to be at least you know competent, I think, in the right system. Um, but he hasn't really consistently shown that. And there have been times where he's been brutal on defense. Um, I think it's common for young guys, you know, when their offense isn't working, defense tends to yep. slip too. And I think we saw that a lot last year where the defense seemed to regress um, along with the offense in, in some ways. Um, I do think on the whole, he probably took a step forward there, but there were games where it would just, it would be really bad. Um, yeah. You know, in the playoffs against the Mavs, for example, um, he just could not guard uh, Seth Curry or Trey Burke at all. They were routinely torching him. Both those guys are, are nice offensive players, but not the kind you think of as being, um, you know, unstoppable on the yeah. offensive end. They're the type of guy you'd want, you know, Landry Shamit to at least be able to slow down. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that'd be somebody yeah. you want him to be able to defend. If he's getting cooked by, you know, Luca or something, you're like, okay, that's fine. Like, everybody gets cook cooked by Luca, but Seth and Trey, uh, not so much. Yeah, exactly. So he, you know, if you look at his advanced numbers, his defensive stats improved. Uh, defensive box plus minus went from a minus 1.3 his, his rookie year. Uh, you know, freshman year to <laughs> rookie year. I'm so caught up in traffic <laughs> college years um, to, you know, minus 0 0.3 last year. Um, on the whole, I do think he became a little bit better. But yeah, there will be nights where you'll be like, wow, Landry looks really good defensively. And then there are nights where you're like, please get Landry off the court. You know, so-and-so is absolutely torturing him. Um, so it'll vary. But I think he, he does have the capability to be an okay defensive player going forward. Yeah, I think like you said, you know, being 23, give him two years to put on some muscle and it just seems like he needs more experience, more reps to just get a feel for, you know, the system. And like you mentioned, too, the chemistry last year with the Clippers wasn't great. That obviously impacts defensively, too, with the communication. So hopefully he can improve in that area. But I never anticipated him being amazing. Hopefully he could get to maybe like a Joe Harris level where, you know, you just kind of hold your own. You're not going to lock anybody down, but you can be a system defender. And like you mentioned, the effort is a big part of that. But uh, another thing I was kind of interested in, and you've kind of referenced it a little bit when I asked you the first question, would you say Landry Shamit is pretty clutch? I would say so. He's certainly somebody who doesn't get rattled very much. Um, he's not somebody who plays nervous a lot. I think there are times where he's not aggressive enough. Like there are times where he probably could have attacked closeouts and passed out. Um, that was something the Clippers really harped on him to be better about. Um, but I wouldn't say he gets rattled very easily. Um, last year, you know, he didn't get a lot of clutch opportunities because, again, he was playing off the bench yep. a lot. He was behind uh, Pat Beverly and Lou Williams and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, he didn't see the floor a ton in crunch time. But his rookie season, he was sure extremely clutch. Uh, he hit a number of late-game threes. Um, and he's just a really good three-point shooter. You know, on his career so far, he's 40% over five attempts a game. It dipped a little bit last year. I would not worry about that very much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... If he's put in clutch situations, um, I think he will 
you know, prove to be that kind of player. You know, I don't know how much he's going to do that again next year. Um, I think Joe Harris is, is a free agent, right? If the Nets yep. retain him, I'd imagine he would start over um, Landry Shamit. But yep. if Harris leaves for one reason or another, Shamit would be the presumed starter. And I think he'd be able to cash in on open opportunities. Um, you know, Kyrie has his faults, but he's a guy who's a much better pure creator and uh, playmaker than either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. So I think he'd be able to find a Landry Shamit a lot easier. And, you know, we've already seen how effective Kevin Durant can be when he has a lot of shooting around him in Golden State. I mean, Shamit's certainly not quite Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, uh, but he's really good. Um, so I think I think if the ball's passed to him, you know, in late fourth quarter situations, I think those guys will trust him and, and I think he'll deliver. Yeah, I just had to ask because I watched some of his highlight packages and I was like, damn, for a two-year player, this guy has a lot of clutch shots on his resume already. But like you said, I think, you know, all signs point to the Nets retaining Joe Harris. You know, reports come out that the contract might even be up to like $18 million a year, which is oh, kind of a lot if you ask me. But, <laughs> but uh, whatever, we, you got to keep Joe. You don't really have any other options. But I'm just excited to see Shamit on the floor with Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Like, if you have a lineup out there, you're talking about, you know, four elite three-point shooters. Like, there's going to be some really good opportunities for him. I think, you know, like we talked about, the defense is going to be a huge factor for him getting more minutes than other guys because, obviously, you talked about Kyrie and the playmaking, but defensively, he's going to need someone next to him that can kind of hold his own and put up maybe even a little bit more than average defense. So it'll be something to keep an eye on on that front. 2020 has reshaped how we work. And it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidate instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only site that moves as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. What do you think was the main reason the Clippers traded him? Like, do they just like Lil Kennard that much better? Or is it just like Shamit they didn't feel like was a good fit? I think there are a few different reasons. Um, one, I, I do think Kennard is probably more talented in a vacuum. When you just look at their numbers, uh, Kennard, I mean, he's a further, he's a year further into his career, but he scored more points. Um, 
did it in a variety of ways. He gets the line a lot more. He's a much better rebounder. He's a much better playmaker. He's just a better shot creator. Um, and I think the Clippers did need more of that last year. Really, the only guy on their team who could consistently create for others is Lou Williams. I love Lou. Um, he is old, and he is really bad defensively. Um, you know, eventually and his they first need... choice isn't to pass. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is a really good passer. But yeah, yeah I mean, no, he's not a sure. guy who you want running your offense consistently. Um so I think Kennard is is a different player. He's also a guy who's a really good three-point shooter and, and can play off ball, uh, but he has a lot more ball handling capabilities, and I think the Clippers were interested in that. I think this does also open the door for a Lou Williams trade. I know that Nets fans probably aren't that interested, um, but that's that's one of the reasons why. I think it was just to kind of fill a different role in the team. And I, I do think... I won't go sources here, but um, there were some rumblings last year that Shamit was not super happy. Um, the locker room as a whole, I think the the dysfunction was overplayed a little bit. I don't think it was quite as bad as people think. But I think Shamit was one of those guys who, again, you know, took a step back. He's a young guy. He wants to prove himself. He wants to start. He wants to play big minutes. He wants to close. Um, you know, every time he doesn't do one of that, it's a little bit taken out of his future, you know, checking account. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's a, a year or two away from an extension or free agency. But um, last year was a step back, and I think he didn't think he was really to blame. I don't necessarily disagree with him. Um, so I think he was kind of upset, maybe at his limited role, um, and just at the fact that he wasn't being utilized properly. So I think it was also some of that. Um, I don't know if he was discontented enough that they just wanted to get rid of him, or if it was almost a favor to him to put him somewhere where he'd be better utilized and, and to get in the guy who fits better in Kennard. I think both of those things were a factor, but I, I think the Clippers still like Shamit. There weren't really a lot of trade rumors around him, so I don't think it's a guy they were actively shopping, like, we need to get rid of him. It was just they saw an opportunity to get Kennard, who I think they like better and just is a better fit for the roster. Yeah, I definitely was a little surprised when we saw him, like, post right away, like, that he was in Brooklyn. I was like, oh, wow, like, he, he seems pretty excited. So maybe some of those, like, lingering locker room concerns were a little bit more, you know, a priority for him or trying to get out of there. And like you said, you know, having a smaller role, I'm really not sure exactly what he's going to do in Brooklyn until we see the rest of the roster. Because, like, obviously, you know about the James Harden rumors, so... <laughs> If James Harden is traded here, Landry Shamit is even a better fit because now you have all these guys that have the ball in their hands trying to create for others, you know, open three-point shots. There have been some mentions from, like, Nets fans thinking, like, maybe they got Landry Shamit just because he's 23 years old and they could include him in a James Harden deal. I mean, in your eyes, do you think he has, like, much trade value to a rebuilding team? I don't really look at it that way. I think I thought of him more as, like, a piece for a contender. I mean, he's definitely a piece. I mean, I think... Again, last year really hurt in that regard. If you'd asked after his rookie season, I think a lot of teams around the league might have viewed him as, as kind of a blue chip prospect. I mean, not at the level of I'd say that too, because even when Philly traded him, everyone was like, Okay, that's a really nice ad for the Clippers. It was maybe right. like a throw in, but like he was he was playing well for uh, Philly before he went to LA. Right. And, you know, at the time, you know, I'm the the People have soured a lot on Tobias Harris, but when the Clippers traded him, he was viewed as their best player. He was not mm. their best player. Danilo Gallinari was their best player, but he was a guy who was averaging 20 points a game on decent defense and pretty good efficiency um, on a, one of the more surprising teams in the NBA. Um, and Harris is not old. Like, Harris is in his prime, and, you know, he was a guy who I don't think he was at an all-star level or even that close, but he was a guy who people were talking about as like, hey, this guy is kind of in all-star range. And Shamit was the main trade piece for him. Um, again, not quite blue chip, but again, after his his playoffs and the way he played for the Clippers down the stretch, 
I think he might have been seen as, again, not a top-tier guy, but like a, a pretty good return. This year, I, I after the years he had, I can't see it. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, he is a guy who did play point guard in college, you know, famously, and that's why the Clippers kept trying to play him on ball. So if a team thinks that, like, hey, you know, we're going to be bad next year, and the Rockets sure seem like they're planning <laughs> on being bad, we're going to let Landry Shamit run 25 pick-and-rolls a game and see if he can develop some off-the-bounce three-point shooting mm-hmm. and unlock a little bit of his playmaking. I mean, the upside for him, if that happens, is immense. He has some playmaking, um, and he's a tall guy. He can... He's shown he can shoot threes off the dribble. If he develops his ball handling and playmaking a little bit and is a guy who will take those threes more off the dribble, you know, he could be a guy who, you know, maybe not like Damian Lillard or, or Ky, you know, Kyrie Irving, but a guy who could be that kind of gravity threat as a ball handler due to his three-point shooting. Um, that's really his peak upside. Um, and that's what I think Clippers fans were invested in long term. So if a team really buys into that or just thinks like, hey, you know, he's a guy with some upside, you know, we don't care about being good. Let's do that. I think a team could view him as, as kind of a, a big piece. But as the key to a James Harden deal, I don't know. Um, I would say, you know, he's maybe a cherry on top, I guess. <laughs> yeah, probably somewhere in between. Right. Like I mean, cream. I think. Um, you know, he is probably the best guy on a rookie deal that the Nets have, right? I think most teams and players would probably evaluate him over Jared Allen. So I think he's probably their best, like, true young player because Dinwiddie and, and Levert are, at this point, almost more veterans. Like, they have bigger deals. They're in their mid-20s. Um, so I think he could still be their best prospect. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's getting you James Harden. Um, you know, yeah, I didn't think he was going to get James Harden, but maybe just be like an additional piece in the deal. I mean, like I said, I thought it was more so a move where, Hey, we're getting Shamit and if we get James Harden, great, he'll fit even better. But if we don't get him 23 year old three point shooter can never have enough of those when you have two star players. So it is interesting though, thinking about, you know, the point guard stuff, which I heard before. And I heard that was the main reason they tried to play in the postseason. It just felt like a, a weird time to try to like push him being a point guard. But back to that, if he could just, you know, develop the handling and some pick and roll offense, like pull up threes are so valuable and it just mm-hmm. creates so much hectic for a defense. So that is kind of intriguing. And like I said, I, 23 years old, still plenty of room for him to grow. And the Nets have had a lot of success developing guys. Obviously, the coaching staff has majority yeah. changed, but there's still a couple faces there that maybe could help him get to that next level. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I still have confidence in him. Last year, definitely a step back. Um, you know, I do think for a team that is trying to win now, I don't think the Nets are going to give him a ton of reps on the ball, especially with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the roster. Um you know, so I think, you know, his career could really depend, you know, on where he goes. You know, if he stays with the Nets uh, for a couple years, plays off those guys, I think he will be, you know, end up being more in the J.J. Redick mold. I don't know if he'll really develop that much of an on-ball game. I think they'll try to optimize him more off-ball and kind of as a 3-and-D type of, you know, guard-wing type. Um, but if he is used in a trade or if, you know, uh, just the roster shakes up at all and he's given more on-ball responsibility, that is the upside with him. Like, he is a guy who has handled the ball. Um, he hasn't shown a lot there in the NBA, but he has some some good passing and, and playmaking instincts. And and you can find some good good footage out there of him making plays. Yeah, I think it just kind of adds a little bit more intrigue to the trade. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. at the top you look at it, you don't really think about those other aspects. But, Robert, anything else you think Nets fans should know about Landry Shamit? Not really. Uh, you know, he's not a guy who has a super large personality, um, at least not in, in L.A. Um, he's a guy who fans like just because he was a young guy who played with, with Shea Gilgis Alexander. People thought, you know, just a year ago that they were the backcourt of the future. Now they're both gone. Um, 
things change. <laughs> yeah, things do change very quickly. Um, but uh, he's not a guy who really talks that much on the court. Um, you know, he's uh, by all accounts a, a pretty tough guy. I think um, just in terms of his attitude, um, like I said, he stays calm. Um, and I think on the whole, he was pretty well liked. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't. There's not a ton personality-wise that stands out. And yeah, like he'll. The the key for him, I think, is is the defense. You know, can he be a guy who can play 30 minutes a game in big crunch time situations, or is he more of like a 10 to 15 minute a game, um, you know, kind of shooting specialist only for a team trying to win a championship? I think that'll be uh, the big difference for him between being a a guy who gets a really big Joe Harris type or, or Duncan Robinson type of deal, or maybe you know ends up more of like an Anthony Morrow, yeah, uh, or even Kyle former Porter. net. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I think that's that's the key is just watch for the defense. And then, you know, if he gets on ball, you know, just see how the playmaking develops. Yeah, I agree. Spot on. Obviously, defense is going to be a huge factor for a lot of the guards on the Nets team. But Robert, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on. Can you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah. So um, my uh, the site that I helped found is a 213 Hoops. We're, we're a Clippers site. Just write Clippers content, you know, a little bit about, you know, breaking NBA news. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Rich Homie Flom. On Twitter, I mostly tweet about basketball. It's nothing revelatory. But uh, if you want to learn more about the Clippers, go ahead and give me a follow. Could be a finals matchup next year. So keep an eye out on Robert. As always, a pleasure. Thank you for hopping on. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.